You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. Turn the microphone off me. I worked all afternoon yesterday in my yard cleaning out flower beds, used muscles I haven't used in probably a year, and woke up this morning. They were letting me know they were there. Weather was gorgeous. The temperature was perfect. The skies were blue. The birds were singing. I had a Bluetooth speaker hanging in one of my crepe myrtles, sending a new worship album from my phone. And just worshiping God and pulling weeds, at one point standing out there and literally tears rolling down my cheeks, going, God, I thank you. I love you. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy for me, your grace. I want to sing this old one real quick this morning before I bring this message. Is that okay? This just seemed to be bubbling in my heart yesterday. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? Did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for sinners such if you know it, sing it with me. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. That's you say, man. Anybody happy in the room this morning? <clears throat> A whole lot about life can make you sad. Some about life can make you mad. There's something about the cross and a true living experience with Jesus that can make you glad. I know that's cheesy. I know the rhyme is bad, but that I did it again. Sad, mad, glad, bad. <laughs> Everybody say it's good. Second verse. We're only, only going to do one more. Make this your prayer. Come on, here we go. Was it for crimes that I have done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Would you stand with me? Let's sing it one more time. At the cross, everybody. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. Burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Lift it up one more time. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. 
I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day, all day long it was there by faith. I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Would you give him praise this morning? Come on. Lord, you're worthy. Yes. Glory and honor and power and might and dominion are yours, O Lord. And all the congregation said, Amen. You may be seated. I'm, I'm glad to be here today. Glad to see each and every one of you. Thank you for those of you that have logged in on one of our various social media platforms for our streaming service. We're so thrilled to have you with us today. It's beautiful. The last three weeks I've been seeing people every Sunday that I haven't seen in a year, and uh, we're just honored to have you with us today. This is the third message in the series, Parables, and I'm excited today to bring this to you. I believe the Lord dropped this into my heart today, and I, I without, I'll, I'll explain this comment in a moment, but without a number of people involved in putting all of this together, they didn't know what I was going to preach on, and it just is a significant sign of the work of the Holy Spirit, just putting everything together in a beautiful tapestry. And that will make sense in a moment. The, the message today is called the parable of the yeast. Everybody say yeast. Old Testament, uh, or rather, I'm sorry, King James Version, it's the word leaven. And uh, you're familiar with, uh, obviously, yeast. It's an active element in bread that causes it to rise. Uh, any kind of pastry especially, which is, I just, I'm, I'm, I have an addiction. I just want to confess. Hello, my name is Michael. I love bread. I love donuts. Glory to God. Yeah, put all that cream-filled stuff in there, and I can speak in tongues. I'm telling you now. I'm t- Woo! Uh, today is called the parable of the yeast. And... Um, The text is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, two verses only. This is going to be short today, I promise you. You'll see it was really short in the first service. But there's just one thing that God's given me. I believe this one got birthed in the Spirit this week. Luke 13, verses 20 and 21, he also asked, Jesus is talking, he also asked, what else is the kingdom of God like? Always present tense is... He says, it is like the yeast a woman used in making bread, even though she put only a little yeast. Everybody say, just a pinch. A little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. It is like the yeast a woman used in making bread, even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Other translations say 50 pounds of flour. The New Century Version says a large tub of flour. So we're not just talking about a cup, a cup, a cup here, okay? All right? You're not just making a little loaf. We're not talking about, you know, just a small portion, but we're talking about a significant amount of flour in storage that has been ground from coarse grain into fine flour for the purpose of making bread. Now, one thing that I use as a tool is the summary of what I'm going to say. It's going to just basically give you everything in one sentence and this, this is it this morning. It says, when God gets in it, there is no limit. 
And if anybody's got any energy, any anointing, if the Holy Spirit is here today, I want to preach this one sentence. I want to get you so aware of when God gets up in the middle of your circumstances that nothing is impossible, as Scott picked the song. He didn't know what I was going to preach. Nothing is, everybody look at your neighbor and say, nothing is impossible. One thing, here we go, say it. When God gets in it, there is no limit. Emphasize what I do. Listen to me say it. When God gets in it, there is no limit. Now you're about to get it. Come on, everybody. One more time. When God gets in it, there is no limit. Bow your hearts with me for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence that is a mystery. We don't understand it, but we know that behind us, before us, above us, beneath us, all around us, you have the everlasting arms. David, the psalmist said that surely goodness and mercy will chase him down all the days of his life. Thank you for goodness and blessing. Thank you for your love that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We look to you this morning and I acknowledge before you and this people that I need you before I, more than I ever have before. And I thank you that I'm aware that apart from you, I can do nothing. But Lord, I'm also aware that I'm no longer apart from you, that I'm joined to you and that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. We're in unity. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that's trying to get in me and he that's in the world. God, I thank you for that awareness. Remind us this morning of our identity of who we are in Christ. Remind us that we are more than conquerors. Remind us that because of Jesus, the one who was made sin for us, that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Remind us that we are co-heirs with Jesus. Remind us that we're more than conquerors. The head and not the tail, above and not beneath, blessed in everything that we do. What we put our hand to, it prospers because of who Jesus Christ is. We ask you to, to be in this Holy Spirit, the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. Be the hearts and eyes and the, be the ears and the eyes and your hearts of your people to see and hear and understand, to comprehend. Let us be hearers and doers of the word. We ask this in Jesus' name and everybody said. When God gets in it, finish it. Beautiful. I'm going to talk to you for just a moment about the history of bread making. There was a time not so long ago, just several centuries past, when every family had to be self-sustaining. They had a garden to raise vegetables that, that, would, that would supply the food for that family. They raised chickens or cows or sheep or goats or whatever that would provide milk and provide some meat. They hunted, they gathered they did all these things in a self-sustaining kind of way because it was literally not until about the Renaissance, about the 1400s, until we started to see a division of labor. You know, there were no butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers yet. Every home had to provide all of those individual items. Very, very different from today. We, we can walk into our local Walmart or to our Kroger, and literally in February, you can get a watermelon. How many of you remember just a few years ago, I remember just three blinks in my past when I was a kid in my, in my uh, early pre-teens and we would just long for summer so we could get some strawberries and some blueberries and a watermelon because those were summer fruits. They were seasonal. You couldn't get them all the time. Now they're year round because somewhere around the world, those crops are being produced in warm climates and it literally is a farm to table within a couple of days. 
one of the biggest cash crops in the valley of Texas and down in upper regions of Mexico is avocados. My son uh, owns his own transportation logistics company, and he moves a lot of produce. He moves flowers out of Florida and oranges out of California and avocados out of Mexico and all kinds of things. When you walk into the store and you see Driscoll strawberries, my son has organized the logistics to get those to to Walmart so you can take a fresh strawberries home in January, which is just crazy. He, the man who owns that company is a Christian, and he owns farms in 24 nations around the world that are growing strawberries. This is an amazing day to be alive. We are so blessed. You, you, you can walk to an aisle in the grocery store and get whatever kind of bread you want. You can get it fresh. You can get sourdough. You can get English toasting bread. You can, you know, what, if you, all wheat, you know, you can get the good old glorified all white with it clumps up in your mouth before you finish chewing it. That Wonder Bread that builds strong bodies in seven ways. There was a time when people had to do that individually in their homes because we didn't have the division of labor. And so the family was growing the garden and they were, they, were, they were raising the chickens and they were raising the sheep and they were doing all of these things and they were growing some crops and dad or mom, somebody had to get, harvest some wheat and then literally thresh that wheat and beat it into flour. How many of you ever had someone give you one of those sourdough in a mason jar, friend's bread, and they give you that starter? And the, the issue is, is that they've already made a batch, and from that batch, they kept a piece and put it into that new batch because there was something active, there was something alive. The principle that I'm bringing to you this morning that the Old Testament in King James calls leaven, we're talking about yeast. You put these elements together in a sourdough starter mix, and there's a fermentation process that goes on there. There are various chemical reactions, and some of those things are breaking down, and something actively takes place. Something is alive that once the element of heat is added to that, that thing is going to rise and, and put something in your mouth that will change your life. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything like fresh, hot, baked bread. I mean, I, I think there's a reason why Jesus said, I am the bread from heaven. Those of you who want to demonize bread, you just go right ahead. Bring me your portion. I'll, I'm not going to eat it all at once, but I love, oh my. <laughs> Call me Oprah if you want to. I love bread. <laughs> oh gosh. And they would make the bread, and it was common to save a piece from the batch that was fermented, that had the active yeast that was alive, and they would save it in order to put it into the next batch. Leaven in the Old Covenant, yeast in the Old Covenant has a negative connotation. It, it is the picture or the idea of sin, that a, a little, just a pinch of sin that goes unchecked will eventually leaven the whole lump of your life. Sin that is unchecked has this ability to grow. You don't think that's possible? Look at how Satan was revealed in the garden as a snake, but by the time you get to the book of Revelation, he's a dragon. Somebody been feeding that fool. When you feed sin, when you let leaven grow, it's eventually going to leaven the whole 50 pounds of flour, so to speak, okay? Three feasts in Israel, three feast seasons, one in the extreme late winter right at the brink of spring in March called Passover. There's one in the middle called Pentecost, which is late May, sometimes as late as early June. And then there's another one over here in September, October, 
And the reason these things change is because the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar. It's a 28-day month. And so it shifts. That's why Easter shifts for us every year, because Easter is tied to Passover, and Passover is moving depending on when the lunar calendar hits. So Israel has three feasts. There are actually seven in three feast seasons, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. There are three, one, and three. Passover has three feasts in that one. It's a season of three feasts grouped together. And Al, who didn't know what I was going to preach, chose the passage in the New Testament that specifically speaks of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. If you were listening, that was the first word, the first sentence out of his mouth. Jesus gathers at the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In Passover, it was a celebration of God's deliverance of the children of Israel out of Egypt by the application of the blood of the Lamb to the doorpost so that when the death angel passed over them, they were saved from destruction because the blood of the Lamb was the sign on the door. Every lamb, every house had a lamb, a lamb for every house. You can believe that Jesus is the lamb, but until the lamb comes to your house, you are not safe from the death angel passing over you in, et in eternity. So we, we, we need the truth that Jesus is our Passover lamb. But this, this one season of feasts, usually in March, has one particular portion of it called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they would take all of the leaven, all the yeast, everything out of their homes. They would get rid of all of it. When I first came to found Victory Church, Dawn and I moved back from North Carolina to here. I was here a month, and I got a job with Health First Medical Group. It was owned by a Jewish man. His last name was Schachter, S-C-H-A-C-T-E-R. Orthodox Jewish man, fine gentleman. And every year at Passover, he would bring everything out of their pantry and out of their house and bring it to the break room at Health First Medical Group, which was the provider organization for Prucare for Prudential Insurance. And I was in the accounting department, and he would bring all these wonderful, amazing pastries because he was, as a Jewish man, was cleaning out the pantry because they had to have all of that out of their house, not even a speck of it during Passover because the Feast of Unleavened Bread was a time when they would eat the flatbread, which is where we get that tasteless little piece of cardboard that you eat, that white paper thing. If it were just a handful of us, I would do what I did when we first started. I would go to Kroger and buy a risen loaf. I would buy a, uh, a big round loaf of Hawaiian bread. And we had a chalice of some juice there. And people would just come up together around and they would break the bread off the loaf and dip it into the chalice. And we would partake of it that way, which is the way that Jesus did it. But there were only 12 of them. And plus, you know, with a small group, you don't have to worry about germs. Some of you all don't wash your hands. And so we can't do that. I'm just kidding. Okay. I know everybody in here is just clean up to your gills, okay? Especially these days with all the hygiene theater that we have going on. Um, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was there because it was a picture that showed the children of Israel that you can't let leaven go unchecked, sin in your life. But Jesus brings that to the New Testament and flips it on the other side, showing us that leaven or yeast is not just a negative idea of sin, but it is the positive idea of the living, active influence of the kingdom of God in your life. And I want you to recognize this this morning, that when we talk about this little piece of, of leaven that she sows, or that she sows is not the correct word, put into that big batch of 50 pounds of flour, it said that it was there until it permeated the whole batch. Now, something gets small, by morning it would have already risen. I don't know how long it's going to take 
a small portion of yeast to influence 50 pounds. Last week's message on the seed was a kingdom parable of, of increase. God takes one seed, multiplies it millions of times. He took the one seed of Jesus Christ and he's multiplied that into millions, yes, even billions of believers through the history, through the ages who have confessed Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord. Come on, somebody put your hands together and give God praise. Last week's message was a kingdom parable of increase. This week's message is a kingdom parable of influence. The kingdom of God has this unique ability to move into your life. And I, I, I took this picture this morning myself, sent it to Nate, and I said, please put this up while I'm talking about yeast. Now, what you see here is the most common brand. Interesting, this is a Jewish company, Jewish company that's giving us yeast. And I want you to see, read the words. What does that say? Rapid what? Now, get this one right here. Highly active yeast. Everybody say active. I, I love this because it immediately made me think of Hebrews 4.12, the word of God, King James says, is quick and powerful. A newer translation says it's living and active. The word of God is not just a concept. It's not just an idea. It is the rhema. It is the spoken, creative word of God. When it comes into your life, it's going to start a process. It has, it has the don't be offended, the bacteria of life. It has the germ of life. It has the zoe life of God in it. Everybody say, just a pinch. You can even see this on the instructions on this. It, it's just a pinch is required in order to activate the process of beginning to take an element that otherwise would be completely dead. But when the yeast is brought into it, a something from the outside, something from the external, then all of a sudden when heat is brought into that picture, it creates something that, as I said earlier, will change your life. That's what yeast does. It is highly active. And the Word of God is active. The Holy Spirit is active. Everybody say active. Now, remember what my one thing was. Everybody say it. When God gets in it, there is no limit. Come on, like you mean it, everybody. When God gets in it, there is no limit. I love this. Point number two. The kingdom begins in humility. The kingdom begins with something tiny and seemingly insignificant. I want you to recognize that God thinks big, but he's never afraid to start small. He started not with a revelation of a king riding into the cosmos on a steed or a stallion or a conquering horse, but he started with the weakest, frailest expression that the world had ever seen, and that is a newborn infant baby, a little baby boy for which 4,000 years worth of prophets and seers and sages had been declaring when he would appear and how he would come and what would be happening when he did and what they would name him and, and the fact that he would be born of a virgin and his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And it's, it's phenomenal that when he shows up, he's this little bitty, tiny, weak, it's the, 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 the infant human takes longer to mature than any other species on the planet. I got here this morning and I was, <clears throat> it was about 7.40 and I pulled up and I was so excited to see a complete duck family on the pond. A greenhead mallard, a mama hen, and one little baby duckling just swimming around in the water. And I just stood there and I just said, Lord, thank you that we've made something here that can be a place for life, that something else can be sustained. 
Don would love that. Sorry. God thinks big, but he's never afraid to start small. When God gets in it, there is no limit. My third point this morning is it, it, the work that God is doing in your life, it's an inside job. It begins in secret. The work is secret. The transformation that is taking place in your life happens on the inside first. We're not conforming on the outside. We're not pressing something in, but we're, we're letting the, the active, working, moving, powerful seed of the Word of God and the active, working, moving, powerful force of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives to transform. This is very consistent with the revelation of who the king was because he came and revealed himself as the servant of servants. When he showed himself to the city of Jerusalem, just prior to his coronation and his crucifixion on Good Friday, he came into the city riding on a donkey, not on a conquering stallion. When God gets in it, there is no limit. And what I want you to see is that you might not always recognize that on the front end. And let me just help you re remember this morning. Man, I'm stirred. I'm so stirred up because I want to preach some hope to somebody. Because the struggle that you have, you just might be able to say, Pastor, I've got a mountain in my life, but I don't have enough faith to move the mountain. Let me remind you, Jesus, that all it takes is just a little bitty tiny, a, a faith the size of the seed of a mustard seed. Doesn't take a whole lot. I'm so tempted to jump on the piano, but I want to keep timely this morning. We used to sing a song years ago that said, Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Now, the grammar's wrong, but the message is awesome. It don't take a whole lot. Use what you got. Tell your neighbor, say, use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. That's all it takes is just a little bit. Just a pinch of Fleischmann's yeast will cause a whole loaf of bread to rise and it will affect 50 pounds of flour. It will work its way through because it's highly active. It will bring a rapid rise. Transformation is an inside job. When God gets in it, there is no limit. My next point this morning is that bread cannot leaven itself. It takes something coming from the outside in. Bread, as long as it doesn't have that highly active element of yeast in it, it's just going to sit there as a mixture of flour and salt and oil, whatever. But until that element of that living, highly active portion, that Word of God in your life, that Holy Spirit moving in your life, that's when all of a sudden things can begin to change. If you will put your trust in Him, He can transform the circumstances you're facing. And all it takes is just a pinch. Come on. Remember that Jesus took the equivalent of a happy meal from a little boy. And he fed 20,000 people with it. Little becomes much when you put it in the master's hand. I don't know what you got this morning, but whatever you got, that's enough when you give it to Jesus. Everybody say, just a pinch. When God gets in it, there is no limit. Hallelujah. I'm actually finishing. I told you it's going to be short today. You're going to beat the Baptist to the buffet today. Bread cannot leaven itself. I cannot save myself. You cannot deliver yourself. It takes the injection of an active element. It takes the word, the spoken word of God. Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Romans 10, 17. 
When the gospel is declared and you hear it and receive it and the Spirit of God moves and hovers over you like he did in Genesis 1, over your darkness, over your chaos, and he says, light be, guess what happens? Light comes into your soul and your life begins the process of transformation. How many of you are thankful for that this morning? I cannot save myself. I'm thankful for the work of the cross that is a finished work. Jesus didn't leave an undone job. God does not have unfinished projects in his cosmic garage like some of us whose wives have said, honey, I've been asking you to do this for six years. He said, yeah, I know, and I'll get around to it one of these days. God's not a one of these days project in turn when it comes in our lives. But I want you to know that even though we preach the finished work of Christ, we also recognize that there is the present progressive tense, the finishing work of the Holy Spirit. He is moving, he is working, he is active, he is alive in our hearts. We turn to go a certain direction and it's not the right one. He will put a check, he will close a door. And sometimes we're so quick to say, oh God, why did you do that? Instead of thanking God that he didn't let us go away that we thought was the right one and yet there was danger ahead. Come on, somebody, put your hands together. I cannot save myself, I cannot deliver myself, but through the finished work of Christ... God has done that for me and in me and through me. The finishing work of the Holy Spirit. I was a, it was a summer of my senior year in high school. I had been out of church for a couple of years. I got church hurt. Traveled with the ministry as a young teenager and saw a lot of great, wonderful things happen in people's lives in the kingdom of God. I saw people get healed that were verifiable healings. And then I saw the life of the person and it didn't match and it, it offended me. I got hurt. And I got mad at God and I was out of church for two or three years and I tried to do everything that all the other teenagers were doing at that time. I tried to get drunk a few times. I never did do it right. I'd do it and come home and get, lay on my bed and look up at my ceiling and go, oh God, please, Please, please don't let me go. In the middle of all of that rebellion, in the middle of the hurt, in the middle of the frustration, I, I, I tried to smoke some dope a couple of times. I know that just shocks the fire out of some of y'all. If, if, if it offends you, forgive me. I just, I just want to tell the truth. I'm just, I never could be a, a Supreme Court justice because I smoked some dope. And the difference in me and Bill Clinton is I'll tell you that I actually did inhale. And if you don't understand that, you're too young. And I just dated myself. <laughs> and you know what? It didn't do anything for me. It just made me hungry. And I didn't need anything that was going to make me eat any more than I already was eating anyhow. Because I'm a big boy and I've always struggled with a you know, weight issue my whole life. I'm not ashamed of it. It's just who I am. So it's just a battle. Everybody's got a battle. Look at your neighbor say, everybody's got a battle. And I came home hurt one night, just tired and frustrated Midnight, I got down at the corner of the end of my bed. I pulled my Thompson chain, King James reference Bible, off of the shelf that had two years of dust on it. I hadn't opened it. And I said, God, I, I need you. I'm tired of playing this game. I'm getting ready to go to college. And if you don't do something in my heart before I go to A-State, I'm probably going to be wild. And I need you. And God opened the heavens and stepped down into my bedroom that night. It revived 
refreshed this backsliding, the backslidden teenager's heart. And I said, God, speak to me. I just, I feel like my channels are so clogged up. I need some Holy Ghost Drano or something because there's, there's a mess in there. Even if you did speak to me audibly, I don't know if I could hear it. And I did what I teach people not to do. I set my Bible up on the spine and I said, God, let this fall open. I want, a, I want a word from you. I want, I want to know, I want to know that you see me. I want to know that you, that you know what I'm struggling with. I want to know that you're there for me, God. The way I've always heard people tell me that. Sorry, Brendan and Haley. I almost spit on y'all. I said, God, I want to know. And he was so gracious to me because this big, thick Thompson chain reference, King James Bible, fell open way over in the New Testament. A hunk of it went to the left and a little bitty portion to the right. And it opened up to the book of Philippians. And I don't care whether you believe this or not, but I saw it happen. Literally, I was in tears and it's like verse 6 enlarged on the page and just came up almost in a kind of a 3D graphic coming out of the screen. And I looked at that and I read it and I wept because it said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And man, I needed that worse than anything in this world. I needed to be reminded of who I was in Christ, that he had never forgotten me, that he didn't leave me, that I, I, he didn't cast me aside, that he, he, didn't, he didn't throw me away, that I didn't lose my salvation. But I literally heard him not say the words, but it was as if he was telling me, Michael, I was with you every time you tried to get drunk. And I protected your dumb, rebellious butt so that you wouldn't get hurt because I've got a, my hand is on your life. being confident of this very thing that he, past tense, who has begun a good work in you will perform it. I'll be about the business of the finishing work of the Holy Spirit until the day of Jesus Christ when you see him face to face. Somebody in this room is discouraged. Somebody's got a mountain too big to climb. You've got a valley too wide to cross. You've got a river in front of you and you can't swim. Let me tell you, all it needs is just a pinch of the highly active Word of God in your life. Just a pinch of the Holy Ghost in your life. Forgive me, I know I'm a little bit emotional, but I feel this down to my toes. I felt it all week long. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to bring, I'm vaccinating you with some hope this morning. When God gets in it, finish it. There is no limit. I don't know what your stuff is. Everybody in the room has got some stuff. That's a nice way to say it. Everybody in the room has got a struggle. Everybody in the room has got a battle. God knows that. And he says, I'm in it with you. You feel like that your life is a boat in the middle of the storm? Just look around and see if Jesus is in the boat with you. And if he's not, get him in the boat with you. Because when God gets in it, there is no limit. And when Jesus gets in the boat, the seas settle down and you get to the other side. Bow your hearts with me, please, this morning for a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, thank you today. I feel in my heart that I have delivered what the Old Testament prophets called the burden of the Lord. I believe that Hope has come.
Hope has come because of Jesus. Thank you for the word of the gospel that lives change with just a pinch of the word, just a pinch, just a little bit of highly active Holy Spirit in our lives. Just a mustard seed size of faith will move the mountain. Remind us of that today, Lord. Hearts are in this room. Those are watching online. Lord, there are people that are hurting. And I ask you, Lord, to remind every one of them, those in this room, those seeing this on the internet, that you are with them, that you've not forsaken them, that you will never leave them. But God, remind them that it's now their turn to turn and come to you. Turn from their past and turn to you in faith. And to say, God, change my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Jesus, save me. I trust you. If you've received anything from this message today, an encouraging injection of hope or faith, you feel like you've got some gas in your tank to be able to drive on this week, but you would say, Pastor, pray for me. If you never crossed the line of faith and said, Jesus, save me, come into my heart, be Lord of my, my life, would you just say, Pastor, pray for me? If any of those things, would you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you this morning. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to call you to the front, but anybody in the room. Yes, I see that hand there. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Anyone else this morning? Yes. Congregation, let's pray. Those of you who lifted your hands, pray these words out loud because we're all going to be saying them with you. Let's declare it right now in Jesus' name. Say it with me, saints. Father, thank you for this word. I receive it. I know that when you get in it, there is no limit. Get in my life, Lord. Come into my heart. I turn from my past. I turn to you in faith. And I say this, Jesus, save me. I trust you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let the kingdom of God come in my life. Be Lord of my life, I pray. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, put your hands together and give the Lord praise this morning. Amen. Amen. If you needed a word this morning,